Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. That is a chatterbox. Um, it's interesting we live in a society, we don't believe in guilt. No, no, no. We don't believe in shame. I and mean, we, we believe in a culture, in a society that says, you choose what's right or wrong. You call the shots. You do whatever the heck you want to do. Have you seen a Disney movie? Okay. Be who you want to be. But it's funny because that's what we say we believe. But I don't know anyone who doesn't struggle with this. Okay. I don't know anyone who doesn't struggle with this gnawing voice that goes on and on that comes from within and it could come from your head it could come from the devil himself it could come from the world I don't know where it's coming from but the reality I think this is a universal human condition we're fallen people um, due to sin due to rebellion from God and as a result I think this thing called the chatterbox exists in our lives we are um, on this app called Version, which you just saw up on the screen you can check us out there Ascent Church you'll see the notes from today, you can follow along. If you want to take notes, you'll see kind of like bullet points and stuff, all the scripture, so you can reference during the week. That's completely free, and I would recommend you check it out. I talked about this week one, but we got to go back because a lot of y'all weren't here. Um, but what you need to know is the chatterbox is this it's a steady drip of lies. You heard them in the video, stuff like you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you're never going to get that job, you're never going to get married, you're never going to succeed, you're a loser, that's why she won't call you back. God doesn't love you, he doesn't care about you, you're a nobody, you're always going to be a nobody, this is the chatterbox. It goes on and on, it's a steady drip of lies. And I talked about this week one, but it needs to come back because there's not many times I can talk about this and it's a fun illustration, Maddie, I love to talk about it even though it's kind of gross. Can I be gross? Okay, I'm going to be a little gross for you today. This is for the guys who are deployed that are back because you missed it, and I like to be gross. So um, here's a definition of the chatterbox. It's this word called logoria. Logo is meaning word, and oria meaning gross. Any word, anything that ends with oria is just gross. I'm not even going to go into that. But logoria is actually a word. It's pathologically incoherent speech. Repetitious speech, incessant or compulsive talkativeness. It's a steady drip, drip, drip of words. Is that gross for anyone else? It's a steady drip. I'll give you an example. And I've used this before, pardon me. But um, months ago, I, I, my, my, my stomach was upset. Anyone that ever happened to you? Like you have Chick-fil-A twice in one day accidentally, you know, or you had a cookout tray and you got a little overly ambitious and you got the milkshake too, because they got so many options. It's just 99 cent more. I couldn't help it. Okay. My stomach was upset and my wife recommended uh, a remedy, but I've told you she's into witchcraft. I mean, herbal supplements and essential oils and natural stuff. So she said, I'll make you some um, uh, digestive health tea. Men be warned. If your girl makes you some tea, read the freaking label. Okay, I trust my wife. She's a wonderful woman, but I should have read the label. So I drink the tea, and it did. It wasn't bad. And I, I chugged it, and I went about working. And in a few minutes, I felt this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I said, what is this? And this is the box. It's called Smooth Move. I'm not going to, it says relieves occasional something. I'm not going to say that in church because that's just, that's just embarrassing. If you look, it says, it says um, laxative. Okay. There's a big difference between digestive health tea 
and laxative tea. There's a big difference. It's as if, this is a weird illustration, but follow me. It's as if we were constantly sipping on the smooth move tea for our brains. It's, this is gross. It's a constant drip. This is disgusting. Why did I come to church today? It's something you just can't turn off. You just can't stop it no matter what you do. And what's ironic about the chatterbox is the more that you ignore it, sometimes the louder it gets. Or sometimes the more you try to talk back, it seems the chatterbox seems a little bit more long-winded than you are. It seems like he can go all night. You can be laying in bed and he's still talking. You can get up in the morning and he hasn't shut up. It seems to have a little bit more endurance. Can we get the laxative away? Icky, icky laxative. I'm going to call it devil tea. Would y'all agree? If you see it at Kroger, bring a little Sharpie. Just write devil tea. Dudes, be warned. Do not drink the devil tea. It is nasty, nasty stuff. So that's what the chatterbox is. But in particular today, I want to talk to you about the idea of calling. Because I have a calling. And we have a calling. And you, you have a calling. Somebody say, I have a calling. You don't seem quite convinced. So I'm going to try today to do my best to convince you because you have a calling. Um, do you have a, a, a throb or a pull or the, the, the Christianese word is a burden for something. Is there something you see and it just makes you kind of mad? Like you have the thought, not on my watch, not in my city, not in my house. Have you ever had that? That is a calling. You're called to do something about it. It urges you to action, to get up off your butt, put down the Netflix for once. You've seen The Office enough already. And Parks and Rec, guilty as charged, okay? But to get up and do something about it, that's how some of the greatest little things have started, is you looking around and saying, not on my watch. 99 for the One is a mobile homeless ministry. We love them. And Jeremiah and Rachel started it. And when I met Jeremiah, I said, how'd you start it? And one of the things he said is, he was, just, he was just driving around and he saw a lot of homeless people. And he thought, are we, like, is this okay? Are we okay with this? Nobody seems to be doing something about it. Everyone seems like this is an okay thing. Like, are we as a church, are we as a society okay with this? Nobody seems to be going to them, loving on them, reaching them. They're kind of on the fringe. He said, not in my city. He said, I'm not okay with that. I think each of us have that deep down within. Maybe you haven't found it yet, but I do believe you have it somewhere deep within you. I think God gave it to you somewhere. That's why this church is here. One five adults is actively connected to a church. Meaning in this city, about one in five people, adults, will go to church. I'm not okay with 20%. I'm not okay with one in five teenagers growing up in a household where they're not sure if God loves them or not. They're not sure if he has a plan for their life. They're not sure what to do with their life. I'm not okay growing up in a city or in a world where kids are growing up. It's hard to be a kid. It's hard to be a teenager. They're growing up in a place where they don't, they, they don't have that security that God has his hand on them. I love the fact that A-Kids teaches our kids that God loves them, God made them, and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. And even the adults, y'all, life is hard. Work is hard. Marriage is hard. It breaks my heart knowing that one out of five people, if you got divorced, if your spouse died, if you got to file bankruptcy, if something bad happened, you wouldn't have anybody to turn to. Yeah, you might have some friends, but you wouldn't have a community. You wouldn't have a church to, to edify you, to build you up, to be around you. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. This is a sermon about calling. We each have a calling. You have a calling. Somebody say, I have a calling. You've got even quieter that time. Maybe I'm doing a poor job of convincing you. Maybe I haven't done my work, but maybe God is calling you to this. Maybe he's calling you to be a more involved parent or to go back to school. 
right? Or to start the business or to start blogging again or to finally go after that talent, that, that, that hobby that you always wanted to pursue. Maybe he's calling you to turn off your freaking phone, all right, and look at your kids. Maybe he's calling you to eat more kale. Just kidding. He, wouldn't, he probably would never do that. That's a joke. That's a total joke. Maybe in a spiritual sense, you have a calling. A lot of y'all are new to church, so you haven't even tapped into this yet. Um, there's a church we love. It says, see what God can do through you. I want each of y'all to wake up and think, see what he can do through me. I want you to go about your life, not just living, but thinking, how could God work through me today? Through my interactions at Starbucks, through the, the homeless people I pass, through me loving all my kids. What could he do through me today? It changes your life. We each have a calling. Scripture says we each have a calling. It says in Ephesians 4.1, it says, live according to the calling you have received. Implying that you have a calling and that we need to make actions as a result of that calling. But some of you don't know what it is. It could be one of these things. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to adopt a child one day. Maybe he's calling you to start serving or volunteering at your church or to do mission work. Maybe local, maybe across the state, maybe, maybe with 99 for the one, maybe internationally. I don't know. It could be anything. Maybe he's calling you to start giving financially to impact others here in this city. Maybe he's calling you to start inviting and bringing people to church. Maybe he's calling you to start seeing your social circle and those moms you hang out with in the line at preschool before you pick up the kids and all the moms in that, in that fitness class you go to, the yoga class, you know. Maybe you need to stop seeing them as just a coincidence and as divine sovereignty. Maybe they're there for a reason, for you to love on them because you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe God's calling you to bring them to church or to your group or to your household for a cup of coffee. I don't know. Maybe he's calling you to go from being so passive to an owner. If I could pick a team, if I could pick a squad to change the city, this is the squad I would pick right here. I don't think we need anybody else. I'll take someone else. But I've learned if you sit around and whine and complain, we need more people, we need more money, we need a, we need a building that actually has ceiling tiles up, all right? You'll, you'll get, okay, I don't know what that is either. You were as shocked as I was when I came in. Okay, I said, what the heck happened to the tiles? Was, was that on us? I don't think it was. But it's easy to sit and complain and say, God can use me when we get a building. God can use me when I actually finish reading the Bible. God can use me when I figure this out. No, no, no. God can use you right now. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you a passion. We just have to tap into it. My point is this, that we have a calling. But I also came to announce that the chatterbox, that incessant voice, that drip, 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 that is going to attack your calling. The chatterbox is going to attack your calling. And for everyone in this room who hasn't gone on the mission trip that they wanted to go on, who hasn't started serving when they felt called to, who hasn't started giving even though they, they, you know, they, they feel that burden, that, that urge, that pull, I would say the chatterbox is the one thing that's stopping you. It'll do anything and everything to stop you from living out the way that God plans for you to live. And you need to know this because the chatterbox is tricky. The chatterbox is going to attack your calling by attacking your identity. That's how it's going to do it. It's going to go right for your identity because our identity is a fragile thing. It's a very, very fragile thing. If it can convince you of your identity, there's no limit to how it can limit you. For example, if I start believing I'm lazy, of course I'm going to be lazy. If I wake up every day thinking I'm a lazy dude, I'm a lazy person, yeah, I'm going to skip the gym, yeah, I'm going to skip leg day, yeah, I'm not going to do anything because I'm lazy. That's who I am. That's what I do. How about this? If you believe I'm a failure, I'm a failure, of course you're never going to succeed 
you're going to fail. Now, there's a great difference between failing and being a failure. We all fail. We all screw up. We all drop the ball. We all have things where we don't measure up. I'm not saying to just ignore that completely. We should own that. But the reality is this. There's a huge difference between thinking, man, I failed. I dropped the ball. I messed that up. And I'm a failure. Saying I'm a failure is a thing of identity. That derails you. Saying I failed, saying I messed up, that's okay. You can brush yourself off. If you believe you're a loser, of course you'll lose. If you believe you're a bench warmer, of course you'll never play like a starter or play like a champion. If you believe you're a UVA fan, of course you'll never have a championship to celebrate. (laughs) Is that in the notes? That's not even... Where does this stuff come from? Y'all, I came to tell you today what the chatterbox has convinced you of. Put it to the side. Scripture says you are more than a conqueror. Scripture says you were knit together in your mother's womb and that you were infused with God's image, with a passion, a calling, and a purpose. Scripture says that we are called to be the light of the world. And I'm tired of the chatterbox messing that up. Of it convincing us that you're not enough, that you don't have what it takes, that you're never going to measure up. That, hey, why even try, loser? You screwed up last time, you're going to screw up again. This stupid little voice in our ears prevents us from moving. I think if each, if, if, if just the people in this room, and not everyone's even here today, if just the people in this room said, you know what, I'm going to stop listening to this, and I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. I know that our city would be changed. I know your life would be changed. I know our entire world would be changed. Now, I've preached on this before, but I want to talk to you about Jesus's temptation, because the chatterbox came to him as well. Before Jesus started his public ministry, and we're going to go to Matthew 4, 1 in just a minute. Before he did, um, he got baptized. He identified with us, with sinful humanity. He, he identified with us. And when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit came on him. It was a beautiful moment. And this voice from heaven, God the Father spoke to him. And all these people heard it. And he, he, said, he said, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything. He hadn't preached yet. He hadn't healed anybody yet. He hadn't done anything, but God is affirming his identity. Do you know how much peace there is in that? Before he could mess up, before he could do something well, because if he just knocks him out of the park and then God said, you are my son whom I love, maybe he would attribute it to his performance. Before anything started, God put his hand on him and he said, you are my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. That's a thing of identity. That's a thing of identity. Jesus is baptized and then he goes out into the wilderness. Let's follow along. This is Matthew 4, 1. It says... Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God, do a magic trick. If you are the Son of God, do this. God just said to him, You are my Son whom I love. What is the first thing out of the chatterbox's mouth? What is the first thing out of the devil's mouth? If you're really the son of God, this core identity of his was being attacked. And I came to tell you, your identity is going to be attacked too. Listen, listen. Satan didn't attack him with devil tea, okay? He attacked his identity. And if Jesus' identity was attacked, your identity will be attacked. Jesus' identity was most acutely and aggressively attacked right when he was about to do something big for God. 
And I came to tell you today too, your identity will be most acutely and aggressively attacked when you are about to do something big for God. So if you feel like your identity is under attack, if you feel that constant voice, I wanted to say congratulations. I wanted to say kudos to you. I wanted to say get excited, throw a party because God's about to do something big in your life. He's about to. You're right on the cusp. You're about to start. The ministry is about to take off. That business is about to take off. That ministry, the the mission trip is about to open up. It's right this close. But the first and last thing the chatterbox will do is attack your identity. He'll come right at it. If you were really a Christian, then you wouldn't be doing that. If you really were a Christian, you would say this. If you were a good parent, you wouldn't have had those thoughts. If you were a good husband, you wouldn't be going down that road. If you were a good son or daughter, would you really be thinking that right now? These are all attacks on identity. Jesus had it in the wilderness. We have it here and now. I think some of us have it every day. What we're going to do right now is we're going to look at two different people in Scripture. Um, Both who had callings. Both who had um, big tasks that God set before them. Both with very different responses to the calling. That's what we're going to do right now. Follow along with me. We're going to read about Jeremiah first. Jeremiah and Mary, both were young. Both had a million excuses, but they both had very different responses. Let's go to Jeremiah 4. No, Jeremiah 1, 4. I'm going to jump down a little bit just because we have a lot to cover. This is Jeremiah talking. He says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So just like what God did with Jesus, he's doing with Jeremiah. Before he's done anything, before he's, before he's even tried to be a prophet, before he's done one day of work, before he's even shown up to work, God is saying, I've knit you together. I'm calling you to this. I have a plan for your life. He hasn't done anything. He can't hang his hat on. I've tried really hard. I've done a great job so far. I'm the best of everyone at school. That's why God is selecting me for this promotion. He hadn't done squat. And God goes all the way back to the beginning and he says, look, before you were even born, I was knitting you together. I was infusing my image in you. I was infusing these gifts and these passions all in you to do this job. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Like if God called you to something and before he did, he said, look, I built you for this purpose. The reason I put you together the way I did was to live this out. That's got to get you excited. That's got to get you fired up. Look what little wimp Jeremiah has to say. Don't miss this. Six, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Hold up, hold up, hold up. God just came to you. Now, I don't think any of us have had anything like this. God just came to him. He said, I made you. I knitted you together for this purpose. You're ready for this. I'm choosing you. Let's go. And he says, well, I'm too young. Do you think God doesn't know that? Do you think God doesn't know his age? Do you think God doesn't know his insecurities, his failures, his struggles, his sin, his temptation? Of course he does. Jeremiah is what I call a dingbat. (laughs) Y'all know what a dingbat is? I don't quite know. I accidentally taught my son the word dingbat the other day, and then I did, and I said, is that a bad word? I don't think it is. Maybe it is. Maybe we shouldn't be saying it over and over in church. I was driving down the road and I do this thing, Dylan. I probably shouldn't, but I do. When Thomas is in the back or whenever, if someone's texting and driving, right, I honk at them. Now I look at them first to make sure they're not bigger than me. Okay. If they look tough, I'm like, sir, have have a good day. Enjoy, enjoy your, 
enjoy your drive, enjoy Facebook. But if I think I can take them, I square up and I give them a little beep beep. And they always, they put the phone down, they quit, quit swerving and they drive. It's great. It's great. If I had one of those fake sirens, I would do that too, but I don't yet. But I'm driving down the road and I honk at some dingbat who's texting, swerving and driving because I got my son in the back. And he said, daddy, what are you doing? And I said, well, they were texting and driving. They were distracted. I don't want them to hit me, hit you, hit somebody. So I honked at him. He said, why'd you do that? I said, well, they, they, they were swerving. He said, well, why'd you do that? He's two, so he just asked why a lot. And eventually I said, they were being a dingbat. And he said, he said, dingbat? And so now this is like his word. And I'm a little, I still haven't decided if this is okay or not. But my, my two-year-old knows the word dingbat. The point is this, Jeremiah was being a dingbat, 100% dingbat. No hesitation that Jeremiah was a dingbat. God just said, you're called to this. He just said, I know you better than anyone else. He just said, dude, I made you delicately. I took my time. Those gifts you have, I put them there. Those passions you had, I infused them in you. That fire you have when you see something you don't like, I put that in you. Of course you're ready to do this. But Jeremiah comes back that he's too young. Y'all, this isn't just for Jeremiah. You need to know this. He knows your insecurities. He knows your struggles. He knows your doubts. He knows your shortcomings. And he's still calling you. He's the only one who knows those thoughts you've never voiced aloud, those sins that you've committed that you haven't shared. He's the only one who knows you deeper and better and more intricately than anyone else. And he still loves you. He's still calling you. It's not based on your performance. He says, I got a job for you. I got a mission. Let's do this thing. You see, Jeremiah, the dingbat, said, I am too what? I'm too young. I want to ask you, what is yours? It could be I am too under-equipped. I'm too poor. I'm too lazy. I'm too tired. I got too much going on. I am too new to church. I'm too busy. God's not done. You can't just throw that in God's face and him be cool with it. Verse seven, but the Lord said to me, he said, do not say I'm too young. Meaning do not fall back on your circumstances that are preventing you from living out your calling. Don't do that. He said, you must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Notice he doesn't give Jeremiah the whole picture. He said, God essentially says, I need you to go where I send you and say what I tell you. To who? I'll tell you later. But where are we going? I'll tell you later. I just need to know you're in. Sometimes God won't tell you what the job is. He just needs you to sign on the dotted line first. Because I think sometimes if he revealed how big the calling was, it would probably scare us and intimidate us. And we would would make even more excuses. Sometimes he just sticks out his hand. And he says, I need you to take one step. I need you to trust me. I need you to try this. And know that I'm going to catch you and be with you every step of the way. You need to see the power in his response. Because when your identity is attacked, the key to overcoming is rooting your identity in God. Jeremiah rooted it in his circumstances. I'm too young. I'm too this. No, no, no. Moses did the same thing. A lot of people made excuses. The key is rooting it in God's presence. Because that's what God said. God didn't argue with them. He didn't say, you're not so young. No, he completely ignored it, if you noticed. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. He acknowledges it. Yeah, you are too young. Yeah, you haven't been to church long. Yeah, you don't know that much about the Bible. Yeah, you do have some issues. Yeah, I still want to use you. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Jeremiah struggled. 
His identity was based on his circumstances. Is your identity based on your circumstances? Or is it based on the overwhelming power and presence of God? Now that was Jeremiah, the dingbat. Let's go to someone else. This is Mary. It ain't Christmas time, but we're talking about Mary. We're jumping forward about 600 years. We're going to Luke 1, 26. Let's see how Mary responds to the call. Ladies can talk some smack today because the, the women showed up huge. And the men in the story are all cowards. Uh, Jeremiah was a dingbat. Mary was just straight up phenomenal. This is what we got. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I came to tell you today, your calling should trouble you. You shouldn't hear it and say, no big deal. Start the business? Cool. Easy. Have some kids? Yeah. Adopt? Whatever. Mission trip? Sure. Serve? All right. No, 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 no. It should trouble you. You should hear it. Your first reaction should not be like, yeah, joy. It should be like, whoa, whoa, that's a lot. You want me to give what? You want me to volunteer, huh? You want me to do what? What? You want me to serve the homeless? I don't know how to do that. You want me to volunteer in eight kids? I don't, I don't know how to do that. You want me to lead a group? I've never been in a group. You want me to lead one? It should stress us out. That's the point. You shouldn't be able to say, I got this. It should be overwhelming. That's the point because it's impossible without God's help. He wants to put you in a situation where if there's a, a question, do I got this or does God got this? You don't have any hesitation that, look, if God wasn't holding me up, I'd be laying flat on my back. That's the whole point of a calling. 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Like that didn't make it any better. Like did that help you? Did that give you any comfort? Oh, you're going to have a baby. Cool. What's a baby like? Well, he's going to serve forever and ever. He's going to be the son of the most high. That didn't help me. Okay, that didn't bring me any comfort. That kind of stresses me out a little bit. Okay, a little pressure on parenting this child. 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? I'm a virgin having a baby. Virgin, baby. How's this work out? Notice she asked the question. Some of y'all think the Christian thing to do is just blindly go for it. No, 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 no. You need to ask some questions. Wait, how is this going to work? God, you're calling me to give. Well, we don't have any money. God, you're calling me to go to a mission trip. Well, I don't speak Spanish. God, you're calling me to, to, to do this place. I don't have any contacts. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. Notice God's response. Notice the angel doesn't say, you evil sinner, how dare you question me? No, no, no. Look at the tenderness, the calmness here. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. When Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. When God calls you to something, he's going to put people around you who are also going through big things. Right on. If he calls you to a mission trip, you're going to know others who are going through the same thing. If he calls you to adopt, he's going to give you an organization to partner with. Look what the angel did. He didn't say, just trust me, I'm God. No, 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 no. 
I'm the messenger of the Almighty. Trust him. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, look, Elizabeth, your relative, she's going through something crazy too. She didn't think she could get pregnant. She's pregnant now. She's going to be by your side. You can talk to her. You guys are in this together. That's what God will do. He didn't. The angel could have done anything, right? But the angel just said, look, God gave you a person. He gave you Elizabeth. Some of y'all are looking to the cloud for a sign. You're looking for something miraculous. You need to quit looking up and start looking left and right. Because the people he gave you are right around you, in your group, on your team, in this community, ahead of you in the donut line out front. Darn it, they took the last maple bacon, all right? Whatever, man. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. 37, for no word from God will ever fail. That's a life verse for somebody. For no word from God will ever fail. Look at her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Look at Mary's identity. Look at the peace. Look at the calm. Look how it's grounded in God. This is one of the greatest forms of obedience in all of Scripture. Mary says, I know who I belong to. I know who, whose servant I am. I know who holds my future. I know who, hold, who knows what is best for me. I know who's called me to grow and to change and to impact this world. I'm the Lord's servant. He's in charge. I'm going to trust him wherever leads me. What did Jeremiah do? Jeremiah looked to his circumstances. That's where you're looking. You're looking at your circumstances. I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. I don't know. I don't know. Where did Mary look? She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Do you see the beauty in that? Do you see the peace in that? And no offense, guys, but this is like, this is a girl. She's, she's probably a teenager, okay? We're getting punked by a teenage girl. All of us. By her simple, clear, amazing obedience. This is a sermon about calling. And I'm calling you out. You heard me right. I said, this is a sermon about calling, and I'm calling you out. Because so many people in this room, you have a calling. You know exactly what it is, and you just haven't done it. You know God's calling you to this. He's calling you to that. He's put that burden on you. It's stirring, and you just make excuses. You're being a Jeremiah, all right? You got a little dingbat tendencies. I'm not mad at you. I've been there too. But it's easy to look at your circumstances and just make so many excuses. I want to ask you, when's it going to be? What's it going to take? Because I'm calling you out. You see, you've misplaced the confidence of your calling. If you place it in your circumstances, like Jeremiah did, you will be filled with fear and doubt and insecurity. But if you place it, if you place your confidence in God's presence, if you say, I am the Lord's servant, then you can accomplish anything. If you stay stuck in your circumstances, you will never live out your calling. But once you place your identity in him and him alone, you can look at the chatterbox right in the face and say, whatever I don't have, God left out on purpose. I can win with what I've got. I can live out my calling with what I've got. I can do what God's called me to do. I can be who God's called me to be with everything I have right now. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. Now, we'll really reach the community when we got that building. When we hit 500, we'll, we'll really be able to do this. Helen and I, that's my wife. We, that's my wife who gave me the uh, devil tea. We, we had the realization probably two years ago or so. We, we always felt called to plant a church. And if you met someone, if you met me in college, you say, what's he doing? Oh, he wants to plant a church. Years, years. What's he doing? Oh, I feel called to plant a church. You'd ask me, I would tell anybody, I feel called to plant a church. But we weren't planting a church. We were just going through life. Now, if you asked me, I would say, oh, yeah, one day. How many of you hang on to the one day? 
Oh, one day we'll do that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Not, well, not today, but one day. Um, we were at a church and things were fine, but we actually got offered a promotion. And we looked across from each other about if we should take it or not. And there was no way we were going to take it. We were like, no, there's no way. We're supposed to be planning the church. And then we honestly had to look in the mirror and say, are we just going to be those people who talk about this our entire lives? Or are we actually going to do it? The situation's never going to be perfect. We're never going to have enough money. We're never going to have enough peace. We're never going to have enough answers. We're never going to feel like I'm ready to do this. But we realize, look, it's now or never. Are we going to do it? And y'all, that, that's why we're here today. That's why we're in Pleasant Middle School right now. Because we did something. Maybe which was smart. Maybe it wasn't. But we took a risk. You need to realize this. The calling is always in response to a great need. God didn't go to Jeremiah and say, I got nothing else going on. You want to go talk to some people for me? Hey, Mary, what are you up to? Nothing? Cool. Um, I need you to do this for me. No, 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 no. Jeremiah preached in a time when the Babylonian army was threatening to take over God's people. And it eventually did. It burned Jerusalem. It burned the temple. Jeremiah was the spiritual leader in that time. One of the only ones. It was a dark time. It was probably the darkest time they had ever, God's people had ever experienced. Mary was leading and speaking at a time, right? And the Roman occupation, the Romans are everywhere. There was about to be a genocide of children of which she had a little boy, right? It was a dark time. But you know what? God calls us to these seasons. One of the few reasons we're here is because, like I shared earlier, only about one in five people in our city is actively connected to a church. And I'm not okay with that. You see, God hears his people's cry and responds. And I firmly believe that there you have friends or family members or neighbors who, whose marriage sucks. They don't want it to suck, but they don't know where to find answers. They want community. They want help. They want a place to know other moms and dads to raise their kids in. They want answers. They, they, they want their teenagers to have friends and, and mentors. They want to serve the community. They want to grow. They don't want to make life just about going to work, getting a paycheck and buying more and more and more crap. They want a meaning in life but they don't know where to find it. And I firmly believe that's one of the reasons we're here. God always calls us as a result of a need. And what I'm about, I hate talking about this stuff. I really do. I hate it. But we need to talk about it. Because the fall is coming. With churches in the summer, it's the summer slump. All right, people are bringing towels to church. We're just hanging out, all right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you. You're great. <laughs> the reality is this. When fall comes, this place is going to probably be bananas. We had 68 kids and eight kids two weeks ago in July. We're not supposed to have any people here in July, but we had the highest kids we've ever had. It's straight up crazy. I, I want to show you. I did a little research. I said, what should we expect from the future? What's normal? Where are we at? What is God doing here? I'm not bragging. I just want you to see this. So here's some numbers I looked up because um, our church is about nine months old. And I said, what, 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 you know, what should we expect? Um, Poor growth for a church is 2% per year. Fair is 3 to 5. Good is 6 to 8. Excellent, 9 to 11. Outstanding, 12 to 15. Incredible, 16 to 20. Now, this is from a blogger who did a bunch of research of churches all over the country. And I'm not trying to brag because I'm not taking credit for this. I'm trying to express a need. Um, if you were to guess, where do you think we landed in nine months? Just shout it out. Anyone have a guess? I heard some outstanding, incredible. 
We have grown 134% in nine months. It's nuts. It's crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. Now don't, don't, no, 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 don't mishear me. Do not post that on Facebook. My church grew 134%. Everyone will hate you. Instantly. Um, don't, don't, I'm not telling you this to brag or to say you're awesome or I'm awesome. No, no, no. The point is this. If we continue this way, September is going to be bananas. If some of y'all don't follow your calling to step up and serve in A-Kids or in production or on security, we're going to have to turn people away. Now, our mission is to reach people. It's to reach this city. And I want this to always be a place you can bring your family, your friends, your, neighbor, your, your neighbors, your coworkers, everybody. But there's a chance in September, if things continue, and if more volunteers don't step up, that this is what's going to happen. A family's going to come in. They're going to be young. They're going to be military, right? They're going to have two little kids. They've been fighting a lot. They've been fighting about money. They've been fighting about th- this deployment coming up. They're stressed out. They're going to come with their two kids. They're going to walk in. Ooh, donut. They're going to grab a donut. They're going to get to eight kids and try to check in their two kids to come to church for the first time ever as a married couple, right? And at eight kids, we're going to have to say, um, we're really sorry, ma'am, um, but we don't have room for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with that. And church, unfortunately, that's where we're heading. If some of you guys don't step up and serve in eight kids, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to shame you. But the reality is this. If God has called you to this church, if he said this church needs to be your home, I think that's my son crying in the back right now. Hey, buddy. The point is this. We're going to have to turn people away. If our mission is to reach this city and equip it and impact it, then we can't let that happen. Another thing that's going on um, is with our, our production team. We, we just got the podcast on iTunes. It had 100 Uh, 100 downloads this week, which is awesome. It's more than we've ever had. We're so excited about that. But the point is this. There are things. You might not know this. This whole area is built for just the center section. See, I didn't have enough faith. When we were working with a contractor, I said, we need one screen and the the music going in. So it's not built for people on the side. Meaning a lot of y'all can't see the screen. A lot of you have a speaker in your face. Because I thought it would be years before we would need this. There's a lot of things we have the resources to do that we want to do, but we don't have the people to help set up, to run a camera, to rock a baby. And that's the only thing right now that's going to slow us down. My challenge to you is this. You have a calling. God's put it on your heart. He's given you that passion, that fire, whatever it is. And if it's adoption, I want you to pursue it. If it's to be a foster parent, I want you to pursue it. If it's to serve with 99 for the one, I want you to sign up today. If it's to start giving or go on a mission trip, write it on the A card. We want to help you and do whatever we can. But the point is, is God is working in this city. And I firmly believe he's calling some of you in this room right now to step up and to take the challenge. If that is you, if he's calling you to serve here, great. Let us know on the A card. Come to Info Central right after church. We'll meet you there. We'll give you a shirt. We'll schedule a training. You need no prior experience. We had someone come last week and run light. She had never done it in her, her entire life. She said, I'll learn. I love the church. Let's see what's going on. She did it that week. The whole point is this, guys. You have a calling. And God's working in the world. It's time for us to start to stop looking at our circumstances. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't know what it takes. I don't have the experience. And start saying, you know what? I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever he says, I'm in for. Let's take that step together. Let us pray. Father God, I just thank you for this group. Father, I firmly believe that you brought this group together to um, change the city. And I do believe to change the world. 
God, whatever passion you've put on their heart, whatever you're calling them to do, God, make it in this moment, make it abundantly clear. God, if you are calling them to help with orphan care and adoption, God, just make it light up right now. If you've called them to start fundraising and go to Africa or Latin America or Europe or to, to, to the western part of the state to build houses or even in our community, God, whatever it is, make it so clear. Make it so, so clear. God, help us see the potential in this room. God, that you've put a calling on us that just like you said to Jeremiah, you knitted us together. Nothing's there on purpose. Uh, nothing, nothing is there on accident. Every single fiber of our being is there for a purpose. Make our calling clear, God. And may you be glorified in this space. God, as we worship you, as we seek you, may we pour it out to you. And if we are honestly out there thinking, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't know what's up, God. Make it so, so clear in this moment. In your son's good name we pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.